0: you're listening to exploring boys education a monthly podcast produced by the international boys schools coalition i'm bruce collins welcome to episode three of season three from social media to artificial intelligence augmented reality to wearables new and emerging technologies are dramatically changing almost every facet of our lives we feel this as adults and educators and even more so when considering the lives and futures of our boys. We need no reminding that dangers and difficulties abound. Headlines describe boys' addiction to devices and inability to develop practices of stillness, reflection and focus, and the way social media and online gaming fuel toxic masculinity. Articles predict the obsolescence or marginalization of teachers in the face of infinite, immediate information, the unforeseen consequence of the march of machines into so much educational decision-making and traditional schooling failing to prepare students for the future world of work. Yet opportunities also seem plentiful, creating global connected and highly personalized learning experiences, using big data to inform early pastoral interventions for boys at risk and leveraging educational technology to collapse the divide between schools, universities and the world of work. It's hard to imagine any boys' school not grappling with the complexities of this brave new technological world. Certainly, our schools make strong attempts to respond well and support boys and parents in forming technological discernment. Yet, as with character education and teaching for responsible sexual citizenship, there is little shared understanding of how boys currently engage with new technologies, in schools and in the research literature, and few rigorous models and resources for boys parents, teachers, school leaders, and public policymakers to draw on to respond to this. As educators of boys, we understand the primacy of relationships in all that we do. The emerging world of technology offers both challenges and opportunities for the development and maintenance of quality learning relationships between teachers and boys, and boys with each other. And so, in this episode, we hear directly from Professor Alison Clark-Wilson, who discusses the key findings of the IBSC commissioned report she conducted with research colleagues at University College London Institute of Education into building learning relationships through the use of technology. But before we speak to Alison, it's always a pleasure to hand over to my colleague and interim IBSC Executive Director, Amy Ahart, for the IBSC Newsreel.
1: Thank you, Bruce, and hello listeners. I'd like to take this opportunity to highlight the IBSC Ideas Lab for Middle School Heads and Assistant Heads, which starts on November 30th. Designed as an interactive exchange among colleagues, IBSC Ideas Lab engages dedicated educators who learn and grow together. Before each session, participants watch a 10-minute introduction from a global guest to jumpstart a facilitated conversation on a specific topic. For more information about the topics for the Ideas Lab for Middle School Heads and Assistant Heads, visit the Ideas Lab page on our website. Then starting on February 7th, 2022, we'll be hosting the following online classes. Responsible Sexual Citizenship in Today's World, The Challenges Facing Boys, Single Gender Education, a course for teachers new to boys' schools, and The Tech Solution, Creating Healthy Habits for Boys Growing Up in a Digital World. For more information and to sign up for these classes and other professional development opportunities, visit our website, at www.theibsc.org. In December 2020, the IBSC Research Committee contracted with Professor of Learner-Centered Design, Rose Luckin of UCL Knowledge Lab in London to explore building learning relationships through the use of technology. The goal is to design a program of future research that aims to explore how new and emerging technologies are impacting pedagogy, relationships and the areas of overlap between these two based on the report written as part of the study bruce collins speaks with professor allison clark wilson from ucl about boys technology and building learning relationships in the interview that follows on this episode of IBSC
0: exploring boys education we have with us professor allison clark wilson who was involved in the recent IBSC-commissioned report Building Learning Relationships Through the Use of Technology that illuminates how technology can help and hinder productive learning relationships with a focus on boys' education. Allison is a former secondary school teacher and teacher educator who now works as a principal research fellow at the UCL Knowledge Lab, which falls under UCL Institute of Education in London. Amongst other things, she leads large-scale design, implementation, and evaluation research projects that address aspects of educational technology use in schools. Her research expertise includes the design and evaluation of exploratory teacher and teaching development projects that aim to understand existing practices while also seeking to scale effective approaches. Welcome to Exploring Boys' Education. Alison, it's lovely to have you with us.
2: Thank you very much, Bruce. It's a delight to be joining you.
0: So, Alison, as we spoke about before, this interview, in this interview, we don't have enough time to focus on the entire report. So, I want to urge people to, who are interested um, in more detail to access the report in IBSC Member Centre. There's certainly a lot of interesting things to read in that report. And so, today, I'd like us to focus on some of the more practical insights. That have been gained from the research that you did. And I'd like to start with the effects of technology on teacher-student interactions, which I think is an important consideration, especially against the backdrop of the last two years of online and hybrid learning in schools around the world. And also as we consider the primacy of relationships in boys learning.
2: Thank you, Bruce. I mean, undoubtedly, the interactions that we have you know, in, in teaching and learning situations are, are absolutely key and fundamental to what teaching and learning is all about. So when technology comes into play, um, we, we came up with uh, two main uh, sets of findings around um, the effects that that would have. And one was the changes in the interactions that actually take place. And I think anyone who has grappled with online teaching um, over the time when schools have been been closed and, and there's been real challenges there, it, it was very obvious to all of us how those interactions interactions changed. And the way in which collaboration in some ways can be increased by the use of particular technologies and the quality of feedback might be an aspect of, um, of the interactions and the, the information, if you like, that a teacher gets back through technology that they might not have got from a classroom situation. Um, but also that there are actually opportunities for more teacher-student interactions And that sounds a bit strange when we've all grappled with with trying to connect with learners in this time. Um, But certain technologies allow teachers to see more from more students, um, which uh, can support teaching and learning processes and the relationships that underpin those. other technologies um, actually provide the catalyst for students participation so there's some particular uh, technologies used in maths and science where actually what teachers and, and students are communicating about is really only there because we've got the technology so there's a different source of interaction there that wasn't there beforehand um, and in many cases you can find opportunities to have um, either a higher quality or, or more individualized teacher-student relationship again uh, people People may be familiar with technologies that personalise learning and therefore give teachers a much finer grain um, of insight into uh, a student's understanding around something. So those interactions can be sort of very much about the level of the technology and what it's helping the teacher to be able to see in the student's learning or it can be at the heart of what the learning is about depending on the technology that's chosen. And it doesn't really um, need a lot more explanation to say, well, if we've got these sorts of interactions going on that weren't there before, there's also a big effect on the teacher's role. So the way in which having these different tools and technologies changes. In some ways, what it means to be a teacher, um, it might allow for much more exploratory um, teaching and learning situations for students, or it might enable um, teachers to be able to answer or ask or, or respond to students questioning in different ways, or the amount of conversation or, or digital uh, interactions that can go on. So for teachers, there can be quite a lot of new demands on um, what's expected of them when technology comes into
0: play. Alison, you, you grounded the research on five themes, which I'll mention them briefly, presence, connections, belonging, identity, and learning environments. And I'd like us to spend some time in the next part of this interview unpacking some of the implications for, for each of these. So let's start with, with presence. What are, what are the implications of the report's findings about presence?
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating um, set of themes. Um, they, they we took them from the work of Reichart and Hawley um, because these are really fundamental to aspects of um, relational teaching and learning. Um, and for us, presence, and when we start to think about what what it means to be digitally present, and again, we can think back to the time when we were forced online, and you know how hard it was for teachers in some ways to really get a sense of presence. Um, we might have thought that was hard when we we're in a classroom with boys, you know, just looking around and trying to gather. That, um, that feedback, if you like, to, to know that, that students are really present in the room. But it's much harder in that digital context. So the way in which we can reconceive presence, you know, it's not enough just to be a list on a participant name board in a Zoom call, for example. We want to see more than that. But what does it look like? What does it mean? And how do different digital tools allow us to gain a sense of a boy's presence um, in, in the digital classroom or in the digitally enhanced classroom? and and the flip side or the, the parallel aspect of that is around that that sense of data privacy and how we safeguard presence. Um, if we think about some of the digital tools that we used um, that may have given us insights into students' homes, for example, and, and discussions with schools around how you didn't or didn't um, track information, uh, require cameras to be on. Um, there are many issues that, that are new issues for us to have to think about in terms of how these might impact positively and negatively on the relationships uh, between students and, and, and boys. So presence in a way is reconceived just when we start to think about that, that digitally enhanced um, classroom or schooling uh, that, that we're now experiencing.
0: With regards to the importance of enabling teachers and students to connect and know each other well, another, I think, important theme or topic for, for teachers of boys, what insights can you share there?
2: Yes, I mean connections. Um, you know, it's a word that's sort of so easy to say, and yet when we start to really unpick it in a teaching and learning context, you know, what does it really mean when we connect, um, either as teachers with, with boys or between boys uh, with other boys in the peer context? Um, and the thing about connecting is really about knowing and understanding where that boy is coming from in the broadest sense. And in some ways, technology can get in the way of that. So in a way, it can mask connections that we. Might might have in the physical sense, when we really have true human relationships, when maybe the data that we're getting from different dashboards um, and other ways that we, if you like, read into a student's learning or a student's well-being in, in a school setting, um, that, that can either really enhance the st- and strengthen connections by knowing more, but it also can be misinterpreted. So that sense that when we're using digital tools, the, the importance of understanding what it needs to connect in the digital sense as well as in the human sense, and the way in which we read the various data sources that enable us to, to enhance those connections. So you know, we're looking for ways in which the technology is going to improve or help us to understand better um, the connections that we form when we build our relationships with learners Um, and then I think the other thing is the substance of the connection what's the connection about Um, when we were interviewing teachers uh, as part of this study we heard great stories about how they built on little bits of insight about a child's um, uh, boy's life outside of school or in his sporting life that was really used to strengthen the relationship in the classroom when it came to supporting their learning in particular content areas Uh, so that's that one aspect of, of making Connections and and obviously digital gives you some more insights there that you might not have otherwise. But also what I we call epistemic connections. So that's when the connection is really about the substance of the of the learning. So whether it's about the science experiment or whether it's about um, you know a, a, a particular skill in a in a practical or, or an artistic subject area, how is it that that technology has given that window that enables the teacher to truly connect with the learner um, at a more sort of not based level.
0: Alison, very closely related to this concept of connection is also something that is important for our schools, and that's the concept of belonging. I'm really interested to hear what the report highlights in this regard.
2: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, these are are quite Intangible ideas, in some ways, when we suddenly think about technology and belonging, what does it mean to belong in a in a technology enhanced setting? Whether that's in a physical classroom with technology on the table, or whether that's on in a um, a remote uh, teaching environment, or in a more at distance way of thinking. But one of the ways in which technology, uh, from the evidence and the and the reading that we did, really does enhance that sense of belonging is in a way by giving students more of a voice in the classroom or in the, in the learning environment. So we looked at a number of studies where this idea of productive talk, where you are really trying to um, encourage students to um, voice their views, voice their ideas around something. And I think the simplest of way that many people may have come to understand these sorts of tools are through things like Padlet um, or um, other uh, collaborative online spaces where many voices can all appear at the same time without the noise if you like, that you might have in the physical classroom. So the way in which we can support students to express their ideas, to share and collaborate on those ideas, and ideally to co-cre- co-create um, um, ideas and knowledge that the teacher is then going to support to go in a particular direction for some, of, uh, some learning purpose or some social purpose. So belonging in some ways is, it can be made easier through the technology because you can almost have more anonymous ways of contributing, but you have ways in which it's easier for students to to belong in the sense of, of, of what the um, what's going on in the classroom environment.
0: Again, closely connected to that concept is this whole idea of a boy's identity and you you mentioned agency and, and this increased agency that boys might have. what What do the report findings say with regards to boys' identity and agency?
2: Yeah, I mean, this, they, as you say, they're closely related. If you belong, if you have a voice, if you're present, um, these really help to be sort of the foundational pillars, if you like, to developing a strong personal identity in which technology is one of your learning tools. Um, and I think this is where, if we are providing opportunities through um, a school a school lifetime uh, for boys to experience a range of technologies that enable them to express themselves that grow with them if you like um, that this is how this sense of, uh, of agency is developing so that their contributions to discussions where they might have been oral discussions in a, in, in a classroom environment these now take place in lots of different digital spaces and in themselves are, are allowing the student or the boy to to really express themselves in a way that that supports that that identity there are risks and and certainly the report highlights risks around how we have responsibilities as um as educators and as school leaders to manage that carefully Uh, it's very um, it's very easy to see how um, you know identity can be forming in what we would see to be a positive direction and in a negative direction and the spaces in which students might find themselves we have to really be sure goes back to the safeguarding point that these are safe spaces in which we are um, encouraging positive outcomes and that we are using any of the data that we might have to have insights into that to really um, keep an eye on those relationships. And I'm thinking particularly about peer relationships among students and, and the damage that they can do if they go wrong. So that sense of agency um, is undoubtedly forming inside digital contents. In, uh, sorry, the identities are forming inside the digital worlds that the that the boys are, are residing in. Um, And and that's a really key thing for schools to keep that, keep an eye on. Um, Alongside that is the way in which the student-centered pedagogies, the ones in which we are supporting that co-creation of knowledge and ideas. Um, Again, they build that confidence. They build that self-assuredness. And they they build leadership skills, all of these important aspects that mean that boys will leave their formal education with really strong, well-founded um, experiences that are, that are really founded on strong learning relationships.
0: And, and then, Alison, the last um, topic or theme on, on which this research was grounded was learning environments. And I'm interested to know, you know what the study teaches us about our learning environments, which are, are increasingly dynamic.
2: Yeah. I mean, the diversity is huge, not just in terms of, um, you know, the global context and what might be a learning environment in one school culture will look very, very different in another school culture. Uh, but the role of, of the school leadership um, and the vision associated with the direction in which uh, technology is being taken up within the school environment is, is, is absolutely fundamental to that. And One of the biggest challenges that we face now is there's just such a diversity of technology out there, and a plethora of ways in which teachers share those ideas and resources with each other, it's really challenging for leadership teams to stay abreast of, and in some ways not change too quickly. So you know the the idea that you have very discerning choices about the digital resources that you do adopt within a school, that you're confident amongst the teaching community that that's the right blend, and there will never be a correct blend. It will be the right blend for that moment in time for the boys that you've got in front of you and the teachers uh, with their confidence to use those digital tools. So the learning environment is never going to be this static thing. It's going to be changing, but it It is really the role of the school leadership and management to um, curate that set of technologies um, that serve the school's purposes uh, best you can at at any point in time so in a way you can never take your eye off the ball with technology it's always going to be moving you always need a, a focus and an emphasis on it and you need to be continually sense checking when it's right to start looking at new technologies and when it's right to switch off the old technologies because we can't Keep layering these on top of each other. We all, um, we all sort of slowly lose the plot <laughs> as to the direction that we're trying to take the um, take the student experience in. So, I mean, learning environments are key. Um, it's it's one of those aspects that is really at, should be at the heart of uh, the teaching, not just the the leadership, management, of the school in terms of organizing access and and IT support and those sorts of things. But actually, at the heart of the whole teaching and learning um, um, policies, processes vision uh, so that they really serve, uh, the technology serves the needs of the students and the teachers um, rather than everybody becoming a slave to it.
0: Such great advice, Addison, and and we're going to end this podcast with some more thoughts around the integration of of, of technologies and emerging technologies and and what your useful advice would be for people. But in, in your experience, what are some of the emerging technologies that might impact positively on the relational components of teaching and learning.
2: Yeah. I mean, this for me was a really exciting part of the report when we really did that sort of, you know, what, what's around the corner? And, and in a sense, it's, it's offering our sort of hypotheses around how some of these technologies might play out in classrooms. So there's some particularly interesting things happening around uh, robots and there's sort of generally sort of two types of, of, of robots that we, we, um, we talk about in the report. One is the telepresence robots. And these are what I describe as the sort of the iPads on wheels that give you an opportunity to have a visual presence of somebody in the room who might not be there otherwise, but also gives them the mobility of of essentially providing them some wheels to drive their iPad around the school environment with. So what's been interesting in some of the studies looking at how these telepresence robots can be used, it is about either giving students who would otherwise um, not be present in the school, whether that be to illness or or other other, um, uh, challenges at that moment in time, to be participating in a much more physical sense than they would otherwise, uh, but also the opportunity for them to engage in things outside of the normal classroom activity. So telepresence are robots, Tele- telepresence teachers too. I mean, this is a, another example where, you know, having the telepresence of an expert from outside of the school, in the school classroom, participating to some extent with what's going on there, um, offers something exciting that we've not seen before. The other sorts of robots are those that have been particularly designed for students uh, with special learning um, uh, needs around communication. So there's a very famous one called Zeno, who um, has been designed to support students on the autism spectrum to have more comfortable relationships um, and to support them to engage with uh, in a different way to engaging with other human support. So specific robots that are designed for specific uh, students are are also looking interesting. there's a lot of interesting, uh, in, virt- interest in virtual reality, but what's around the corner is these more collaborative virtual re- reality environments that put multiple users in the same room at the same time. And obviously, wherever there's collaboration, you have much more opportunity for students to work together, teachers to work with students. Um, so there's some interesting technologies around that. Um, Another one is chatbots and we'll all be experiencing chatbots when we go online and try and do things like pay our utility bills and you name it and something pops up and says, hi, can I help you? But educational chatbots Chatbots are at an early stage of their design, um, but I think things will move forward on that quite quickly. So the idea is a as uh, a, as an additional support for students to get help um, when they're working in digital environments and they get stuck. That we might have chatbots that might detect what the issue might be and either make suggestions or or even alert the teacher if it was needed. So that that's one um, one uh, other area. And the last one I'd mention is the use of biometric data. And in some ways, this is quite um, contentious in some countries and cultures. But the idea that we are using data from our bodies uh, beyond just finger registration and payment systems using our fingerprint, but maybe, you know, iris technologies, um, different biometric sensors that sense, um, for example, skin sweat and temperature that give indicators around well-being, for example, in some Schools in some countries; these are really at quite an advanced stage, and if you like tracking students at a very high level um, are against a various of different measures that are seen to be useful. Uh, I think there's some ethical considerations we'll have around those uh, by biome- the use of biometric data um, around the world before we see that widely adopted, but um, it's certainly on the horizon for us.
0: There's so many fascinating things that are waiting in the wings and uh, uh, happening already. And I'm wondering, maybe this is an unfair question, Alison, but is technology providing a leap forward for education? And if so, is there any single technology use at the moment or impact that seems to be adding the greatest value to learners at the moment?
2: Yeah it's a really good question Bruce because I mean it's interesting when you look holistically at the research evidence on technology it's it's really hard to say a, a yes or no to that to that question because the diversity of the technology and the way it's used means that You know, even technology, we can't really define clearly enough to be able to understand what we're all talking about. But I think where technology is definitely um, adding value is the sort of um, uh, tools and resources that do allow students to spend time um, practicing, um, certainly consolidating ideas uh, providing opportunities for them to be inquisitive. I mean, if I had to say one technology that has probably changed the world around um, as a learning tool, it's probably as simple as YouTube because it there's so much content there now that, you know, ma- no matter what it is we want to find out, there's probably someone else that, that has thought of exactly that thing and created something in response. Now, whether it's the right sort of quality of, of, of learning material, that's another discussion. But in terms of being able to access information that might, we, we might want to know at that moment in time, you know, I think it's undeniable that, that technology is having an impact there. Um, so that's quite interesting in that self-directed learning that, you know, I, I, there's something I want to know and I'm going to go and find it out. A combination of Wikipedia and YouTube gets me a long way Uh, but in the school setting things are a little bit more curated and directed so I think finding how that balance fits with that is is part of the challenge of of, uh, for schools in in making those discerning choices Um, but yes uh it's undoubtedly impacting on us Um, and uh I think in the school level it's it's always down to thinking that through at a much more local um Way So, you know, making sure we do actually evaluate those technologies we do choose so that we try and understand the impacts that they're having, positive and negative, on, on the things that we value in our schools.
0: I had to smile when you mentioned YouTube <laughs> because it felt like you were describing any given day in my life, from uh, researching a new coffee brewing method to solving a tech-related problem. Uh, I yeah. find uh, <laughs> YouTube in- invaluable. <laughs> um a uh, last question for you, Alison, and I've really appreciated your insights and time. But and and maybe you alluded to some of this earlier, but I know on the front of many teachers and school leaders' mind is this idea that the pandemic has opened many avenues for tech-based engagement in schools, and we've almost been forced into a space where we need to where we need to be using technology, and a lot of schools have wholeheartedly adopted technology because of the pandemic. But as school leaders consider learning relationships with boys, how might they go about deciding what to keep as things start opening up and we're back face to face and what goes? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think this is a good example of where, you know, it's very easy to move back into the sort of wholly human school settings and slightly forget what we've left behind in terms of all this online and hybrid. But I think most schools are coming out of that, realizing that there's quite a lot that can change in the way that we maybe introduce students to new ideas. So you know, the idea of flipping learning is one that we heard quite a number of the IBSC schools um, talking about in terms of this, exactly the situation, what will, what will stay and what will go so the idea that you know actually students can be much more autonomous in in those early stages when they're investigating new ideas and valuing the human time the classroom time to really um, take that take that learning on or support students to work together on projects or or for it to come to some fruition if you like so I think there's something around the pedagogical sort of traditions that might change that's one aspect I think schools will be looking at I think this it's really important that we do take time to reflect on the technologies that we did think added value and to look at if and how they have a place in 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 the uh, reimagined um, uh, school curriculum and, and pedagogies um and i think part of that is you, you, your your question really was around the relational teaching and learning and that relation those relationships is have, how are we going to assess where that is adding value, where the technology is adding value and when the technology is hindering? So we do need some sort of what I would say were evaluation rubrics whereby when we're thinking about adopting a new technology or continuing to use it, we almost have our red lines against which we measure ourselves so and we do that in a real 360 way we know that leadership and management and the IT technicians and leads will have a view we know the teaching uh, the teachers and the parents will have a view most importantly we know the boys will have a view and I think as we develop the way in which we continually reflect on what technologies we take up we we need a few smart questionnaires and a a few smart quick ways to establish how people are feeling about this move towards increased technology Uh, because clearly there's there's a a balance to be found Um, but again we don't know the right balance for every school and every boy in every country in every context so it has to be a a partly um, general approach but then there's this sort of localization that means we understand what it means in our own school Um, so yeah i think evaluation is key but in smart ways that stay true to our principles and values
0: Alison, this has been a fascinating discussion, and um, I could listen to you speak about this all day. I want to thank you for your time, for your insights, and for sharing your ideas with us in this episode. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much, Bruce.
0: If this conversation has whet your appetite, we have two related resources in our member centre for you to access. Firstly, download and read the research report we've been speaking about today. In addition, a recording of the webinar in which Alison Clark Wilson discusses the key findings of the report is also available. Head to www.theibsc.org, click on the Teaching and Learning tab, and then the IBSC Global Research link. Lastly, before signing off, I'd like to acknowledge the continued work of the IBSC Research Committee and Johnny Noakes from Eton College for leading the charge on this particular project. IBSC's aim with commissioned research projects like these is that they would serve as a catalyst for professional growth and school improvement. We trust that this research will yield practical applications for program design as well as for teaching. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until our next episode, keep safe and well.